already. I think that got it. All right. Could you clap to Mallory, please? <laughs> nice. All right. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Okay, I am. All right. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this season of Eye of the Tigers. It is so exciting to be back on campus again. Um, and today I am joined by a lovely guest, Mallory McGee. I would, give your, I would give your title, but I know it just changed, so I'll let you take care of that. That's totally fine. It's Titles on this campus, I think, are hard anyway. But Fair. I am the Assistant Director of Health Promotion and Prevention Education. So what does that entail? A lot of what I was doing prior, which was focused on mental health and wellness prevention and education. Um, and this is really just an opportunity to continue expanding and educating on topics related to health and wellness and well-being in general. So that'll include things like your physical health, self-care, um, alcohol and other drug prevention. I'll still continue to supervise our mental health peer educators, um, but I'm no longer just strictly under counseling services. I get to kind of expand um, and also continue working with Heather Wright on sexual assault prevention and education as well. That's awesome. So what are some of the things that um, kind of, I want to take it back a little bit. What are some of the things that, you know, drew you into going into counseling, going into mental health itself? Like what drew you to the field? I don't think I've been asked that <laughs> question in a really long time since maybe prior to grad school. Um, I don't know. I just always really loved people and I know that's a very cliche answer um, but I like to understand people and um, my mom raised us my sisters and I growing up with you know treat people the way you want to be treated there's two sides to every story um, always be kind and I think the older I got the more I realized that everybody is struggling with something um, but what really drew me to working more in a prevention mm -hmm. space is um, after my work at working in an inpatient psychiatric behavioral health hospital. So for grad school, I was lucky enough to go for a master's degree in dance movement therapy and counseling because mm -hmm. I also love dance and um, it's a different way of expressing yourself and the body and mind are so connected. But in a crisis space like a hospital, mm -hmm. it was very much a revolving door and um, it was crisis all the time. Mm -hmm. There were so many moments of hope, though, and the moments that I felt that were when people had breakthroughs or it was I, I tried this and it worked or um, just really understanding that there's always going to be struggles and challenges and, and mental health needs in the world. I wish we could eliminate all of them. Mm -hmm. that'd, be, that'd be wonderful, even though I'd be out of a job. <laughs> um, but those moments where you can see humans really finding ways to not just survive in life, but find their way through it and live the life they want to by learning ways to manage that. Mm -hmm. I, I want to do that. Um, yeah. Mostly because crisis does kind of start to weigh on you after a while. Mm -hmm. um, so trying to figure out ways to help prevent some of that crisis is what really drew me to that. Do you think that there are um, very common, like, things that end up leading to these crisis moments? I mean, I mean, we could sit here and say, like, you know, this is how every mental illness or mental um, – you know, whatever, comes from a place of, like, you know, whatever. But I think that there are also very common, like, strands that end up leading to. And I'd love to unpack some of those. Yeah. Um, so I think first I'll start by distinguishing between mental health challenge and a mm -hmm. mental illness. So mental health challenge is anything that 
a person might struggle with related to their mental health or emotional health, um, where a mental illness is a full-on diagnosis, yeah. and you have to meet a criteria. Um, and I, I don't think there's enough, there aren't enough, there's not enough education that really um, provides that mm-hmm. distinguished, I uh, can't even talk now, but it's hard to distinguish between the two. And especially when you're a college student, 18 to 22, yeah. you're already exploring yourself. You're already you know, exploring a new environment and learning new things about what your beliefs are, what your likes are, your dislikes. Um, that sometimes it can be really easy to fall into that identity of, I have a mental illness. Mm-hmm. So I think recognizing that everyone has some mental health challenges, right? We're all gonna feel stressed at some point. We're all gonna feel overwhelmed. We all experience loss. So that brings with it grief. Mm -hmm. Um, We should, for the most part, all experience those common emotions like sadness, anger, happiness, joy, any, you know, those great little emotion wheels that you can find online. We will all experience those at some point or another. Um, And sometimes when it causes more of an issue in your life or more challenges or it's really affecting your life, that's when we might put that label of mental health challenge on there. A Mm -hmm. mental illness is... um, signs and symptoms, and usually it's for a certain amount of time that you experience them. Um, you have to be diagnosed by a professional. I'm sorry for all of you that seek TikTok to diagnose yourself. I was going to say, I, I, I'm one of those that I fall into the TikTok trap of diagnosis. <laughs> it's ADHD especially. Those are some of the most common ones right yeah. now. Uh, well, side note on that, what I will say about that is I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to understand or seeking out information or seeking out community and getting support and mm-hmm. something that you might be struggling with. What I will say is just see it as that. See it as a stepping mm-hmm. stone of maybe starting to explore potential things that might be going on. Um, use it as a way of getting you connected with some professional resources um, because a diagnosis or resources um, from a professional can be really beneficial and effective long-term. Um, but I think you know, things like TikTok are people trying to find community and people that understand what yeah. they're going through because that's can be um, one of those challenging factors of, of anything related to mental health is you feel like you're the only one experiencing it. But right. it is so individualized, too. Yeah. Um, I think some things that you can look for as to what might be potential factors that would lead to possible mental illness. We call those risk factors, mm-hmm. um, which sounds really daunting and kind of scary. And just because you might be thinking like, oh yeah, I have some of those risk factors, doesn't automatically mean you're going to struggle with the mental illness. Um, it's also not an end-all be-all, right? There's so much out there that can help. But some of those risk factors are um, biological and genetic. So if you have a family history, mm-hmm. there's uh, an increased chance that you might also experience the same thing. Um, For some mental illnesses, that's a lot more common. So we tend to say that schizophrenia skips generations. Mm -hmm. Um, Bipolar disorder is typically pretty genetic. Um, Another another thing is trauma, right? So none of us are immune to trauma, Mm -hmm. but trauma can then be a risk factor for um, a longer term mental illness. Um, Environmental factors, right? So how you were raised, the environment in which you were raised in, um, the community you live in, whether you have access to resources or not is Mm -hmm. a risk factor. Um, That substance misuse piece can also be a co-occurring risk factor as well. Um, Age, age is a risk factor. Um, 
unfortunately gender and race are also risk factors as well. Um, so we can look at that in a very um, medical model, mm -hmm. medical model way. Um, but I think, you know, when it, we, again, when we look at DePaul students or college students in that age, that's, that tends to be when mental illness first makes mm -hmm. it known that it's there, that yeah. it exists. It starts to show up in our lives. Um, and a lot of that is due to more biological reasons, I think. So you talked about your time in the in the hospital setting. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you were talking about, you know, you, were, you got more interested in the prevention aspect of it. So is there something specifically that drew you to college or was it just kind of the opportunity that was there? Um, a mix of both. Okay. I ended up taking a year off of any work related to mental health when I moved back to Indiana um, because I had to. Mm -hmm. And by had to, I mean for my own mental health and wellness, I had to take that break. It was not easy to do, and it was a very difficult choice, but I'm really glad that I did that. Yeah. Um, one, because it just reiterated that I want to work in the mental health space professionally, but two, it really gave me time to process a lot of some of the things that I witnessed and experienced um, while working there. Um, I worked with a lot of young adults in the hospital, and I think what drew me to that was that they had their whole lives ahead of them. Mm -hmm. um, and they were just old enough to be considered adults, but there was still some innocence and an inner child that lived mm -hmm. in there that was very prevalent. And um, I struggled in college. I watched close friends struggle in college. I watched um, sisters struggle in college. Mm -hmm. And it just felt like, what is it about this age? Um, and I, I almost feel like it's a bit of a sweet spot where you're kind of in between that time of you're out of high school, you're out of adolescence, but you're not quite always in the real world. Now mm -hmm. I'm being very specific to individuals who choose the college route for their life. Um, but I think it is that in-between space where you're coming into your own um, and your psychological development. You're still learning how to exist in, in the world. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of what drew me to it too. Um, but also just seeing... The impact that it can have if you do get the support and the resources and the help that you need at that age. Um, trying to help you be the best human you want to be in the life that you want to live because yeah. you're still so young. <laughs> yeah. So um, now was it um, like when you came to DePaul, was that just like, like what made DePaul the one over other places? Um. It was the only one that I found that had a focus on prevention and education. Um, I was looking at other job opportunities that were back more towards um, like community work or mm -hmm. in a clinic or right back in that crisis space. Um, and I just knew that that wasn't something that would, it was, it felt like a selfish decision at the time. Um, now, you know, being more gracious with myself, I know it wasn't. Um, it just didn't feel like a good fit. And everything kind of just fell into place. Yeah. Um, I saw the job posting for this, and I was like, I have heard DePaul so many times. I know people that went there. Um, and I think when I came for my interview, I just I left there. I was like, I have to work here. I yeah. want to work here so badly. And I think it was because of the conversations that I had with my now colleagues. Um, and then conversations that I was able to have with a small group of students at the time um and I did I made the right decision I'm glad that I'm here that that, that feeling still exists that's good so how long how long have you been working here then this is the start of my fifth academic year so I started in the fall of 2019 right before COVID <laughs> yeah my gosh yeah. it's so crazy that like 
all of my all of the episodes that we've had before, there's at least been one mention of COVID. And now, yep. you know, coming back. I know. But I know. Um, can't. <laughs> it reminds me of a thing that I like to tell students, though, is, like, yes, it's awful and it exists and it's a part of our story, like so many things are. Um, but once we've experienced something for the first time, we've, we have already experienced it. Mm-hmm. And so I will hope that it means that we're a little more well-equipped to, to, to manage it, to cope yeah. with it. Um, it's also not the whole story. And I think correct. a lot of people forget that. Yes. It's easy to let it be the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's perspective taking and changing too. Yeah. So um, how have you liked your time here at DePaul? Um, what have you been doing here? Um, and we'll get into what you're going to continue to do in a little bit. But I really enjoyed my time here. Um, and I am not just saying that. I know people Oh, I loved it here. It hasn't been without its challenges. Always like to be transparent and honest. It has been challenging at times, one, because of that aforementioned COVID. Yeah. Um, but also just when you're in the space of working with people, people are people. You cannot make anyone do anything. Um, there's going to be differences of opinions, differences of backgrounds. Things are going to be ever-changing. Um, sometimes it feels very chaotic, and other times it's not. It feels grounded and, and supported. Um, but I have enjoyed it because I've gotten to create relationships, not just with my colleagues, but with students. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I get to do what I love. Um, I feel like people believe in and what I am doing here, the work that I'm doing, in the sense that I get to kind of merge my dance therapist self with this wanting to encourage and teach and share ways that you all can take care of yourselves, not just your mental health, but just as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get to kind of still utilize my creative side and the things that I loved about the hospital and the work that I did there mm-hmm. as far as like my experientials and my workshops. Um, I get to implement that with people who are, they want to be there. Yeah, <laughs> They want to engage. They want to have the conversation, not because, you know, they're in a space where they need this for their livelihood and, and they're, they're in a hospital because they had to, to keep them safe and to get better. Yeah. Um, there have been moments of crisis here, and I feel like it's like riding a bike where you just hop back in and you support and act and try to get that person safe. And sometimes that's that's been hard to continue in that space because it, it is a reminder of, of where I came from. But at the same time, it's, no, I we know that we're doing good work. We know that at the end of the day, I don't question anyone's intentions of the work that we're doing here. I know that every single person that works in counseling services and they want what's best for our students Mm -hmm. and um, we just function really well as a a team together and that goes for my colleagues that I collaborate with in student affairs as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously I'm in a room with a couple RAs (laughs) right now Um, and so that is some of my most favorite work that I do here too is with students who are supporting other students, um, supporting those minority populations who might need, not might, they do need and deserve extra love. Mm -hmm. Um, Making sure that everyone feels like they know that they're worth the time for themselves. Um, I like when students invite me into their own spaces for particular workshops on topics. I like watching other students support other students Mm -hmm. through something. I love when people have those aha moments of like, oh my gosh, I never knew 
that if I tried this, this this would help me or it would feel better. I like I like criticize criticism in the sense of like that didn't work for me and me being able to say, cool, you learned something about yourself today. Mm-hmm. Um, I like seeing the growth in students. So like again with <laughs> with the RAs or with my peer educators or with students that I work with in the support groups I do with Sarah Ryan and JJL, seeing them grow and seeing who they are when they first step in that door or they, they, that first meeting, it's one of the greatest, greatest things to witness. So That's awesome. So we kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but I want to know more about some of the programs that you're going to be putting on, um, some of the things that you're going to be working with your peer educators um, on. I want to know a little bit more about that stuff. Yeah. So um, I'll start with the peer educators because for it. they're my favorite. But <laughs> This year, we're going to continue with the weekly wellness wisdom. So on Instagram, um, they get to pick what topic related to wellness they're passionate about or they think DePaul students need to know more about um, and making sure that they're including the resources on campus that are related to that topic. So we've had anything from body image and and eating topics, ADHD or neurodivergent topics, topics related to the BIPOC community, mm-hmm. um, just general mental health topics. So they're going to continue that work as well as really focusing more on some of those awareness months and days. So September starting tomorrow is Suicide Awareness Month. Um, so we're going to be having a tabling next week to help with raising awareness and um, making sure that students do have access to resources because it still is one of the leading causes of death in, in young adults, um, which it's heartbreaking, but making sure that we're all out there and students know that there are other options and other th- mm-hmm. there is hope. Um, in addition to that, they will have their social wellness programs again this year. There are 10 of them this year, so that means additional programs. Um, but we are being a lot more intentional about making sure these programs are providing a resource or providing a tool or skill set for self-care in addition to just that overarching aim of providing a space for students to connect with each other in a way that is beneficial to them in building community. Um, We'll still have the Spring Wellness Fair in the spring, which done that two years running now, so it'll be the third year, and I hope it grows again Mm -hmm. because it's just an amazing space for everyone to see the different places on campus that can support your wellness um, or can support you in general. And it's a mix of faculty, staff, and students, which is even better. Um, I'm Now that I'm in the other role, I will be working even more so um, with Heather Wright, like I mentioned, in sexual assault prevention and education, as well as Sarah Ryan. Um, with some of that work, I'm continuing to do my support groups. So mon- I shouldn't just say my, they're our support groups. Monday is at the Women's Center at 4. Myself, JJL, and Sarah Ryan are continuing the You Belong Here. Um, it's a support group for any LGBTQ plus identifying student to come and build community, talk about the current issues, um, or really just a space to feel safe Mm -hmm. and um, to connect. And then Wednesday, Sarah Ryan and myself are still doing Her Story, which is a drop-in support group for women identifying students of sexual violence and personal violence. Um, And those two groups are um, consistently attended by a good amount of students, and we have our regulars, and um, we like to make sure that students know it is drop-in. Mm-hmm. You're not required to attend every week. You can come once. You can come every week. Um, and they're not clinical therapy groups, so we're not taking notes. Um, 
it's not HIPAA protected, but it's just become this beautiful space where I mentioned earlier, students just start supporting one another and mm -hmm. we just kind of get to sit back in and hold the container. Um, Becky is still doing her mindful yoga. That starts on Monday the 11th, if I remember correctly. She's doing those. It's a mindfulness-based yoga practice to help relieve stress physically and mentally. Um, Scott's doing meditation on Thursdays, again, at the Center for Spiritual Life at 11. And then um, our, she was a part-time counselor this year. She's full-time this year, Sarah Beams. She's doing a walk and talk group that starts next Wednesday. Meet at Scott Lane Hamilton Park and you can just walk with the group. You mm -hmm. can talk about anything you want, um, but just encouraging you to spend time outside and moving your body, and then again, a space to connect. Um, and then I believe Nadal is going to start a kind of drop-in at the CDI um, for just some stress relief and self-care. Um, I think she's going to do that maybe once a week. Yeah, She's still working out the details um, with Holbrook, but that is something that will be offered as well. We're just trying to make ourselves available in other spaces mm -hmm. too. Um, and I know that's just counseling services related, but Heather Wright also has a lot of amazing programs based on consent and healthy relationships. And then we have the whole Green Dot team. So mm -hmm. I know that's Dorian, Sarah Ryan, Frey, Angelique, um, I believe JJL and Heather Wright, if I didn't already say Heather. Um, but they provide that Green Dot training. And I know that had a lot of different groups signing up for mm -hmm. that, which is amazing. It makes me really happy. Um, I will get to work more with, um, while I know this might make people nervous, but it shouldn't, community standards and Kelsey Wetley um, and with Frey, just to make sure that we're bridging the gap with alcohol and other drug education mm -hmm. and prevention. Um, because I think it's something that students have been asking for. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not so much of a like, no, don't do it. I, you can't. It, let's get you in trouble. It's more mm -hmm. of a let's talk about safety. Let's talk about being mindful. Let's talk about all of the information so that you all can make the best informed choices for mm -hmm. your own health and your own life. So, And for those of you that don't know, Green Dot training is bystander intervention training. So uh, just kind of makes you aware of signs to look out for um, when you see people on campus. You probably, if, they, if I missed anything no, in that. No, that's, that's good. It, it just gives you the skills to look out for each other in um, different techniques and tools to intervene, um, not necessarily in the case always in a potential assault situation, but just to be mindful of your community. And it, it's almost kind of like a, not everybody has to to do something, but every has, everyone has to do something. Mm -hmm. So just really creates that community, and the little things add up. Little yeah. Things add up. Well, and we talk about it a lot as RAs, like take care of your community, whether that's the people or the spaces. Like, take care of whatever you can, you know, because then everybody else is happier for it. Yep. yep. So I'm wondering, um, what kind of advice would you give to students who are just going through something? Like, what's the best advice that you would give to them? It's very vague because you don't know yeah, what they're going through, right, but right, no. But I appreciate the question, and I think it's honestly one of the most common questions mm -hmm. that I get. Um, first and foremost, stop and and take a really big deep breath. <laughs> take a deep breath. Um, it's okay to ask for help, but it's also okay if, if you just need a minute. Um, I think going back to basics, like I said at the very beginning, we're all humans and we're all going to experience an emotion at some point in time in our lives. So almost, I don't really like the word normal because, you know, normal 
mm-hmm. it makes it seem like you have to be this way or you're wrong. But normalizing or um, making it more common that it's okay to not be on your game all the time. Um, I think taking the approach of accepting that we're going to struggle sometimes and so finding ways to help manage that instead of focusing on I don't want to feel this right now I have to get Mm -hmm. rid of it um normalizing checking in with your people um sometimes also if you're really struggling take a nap get some sleep 30 (laughs) minutes take a nap sometimes that can be super helpful um going back to comfort things right Mm -hmm. so we all have different comfort things Um, sometimes that's just getting a drink of water, eating your favorite meal or snack, sitting down for a second and watching your favorite show, calling someone that you know you can trust and having a conversation with them, um, taking a walk. Um, Obviously, if it's more serious, right? If it's something related to harming self or others, suicidal thoughts, like immediately getting in touch with someone or getting in touch with a resource. But nine times out of ten it's going to be just taking a minute and, and trying to identify what it is that you think you need so starting to have conversations with yourself which mm-hmm. sounds a little weird but just starting to identify <laughs> things with yourself of like when i'm stressed i know this is how i react to it this mm-hmm. is what my body does this is how i am emotionally and recognizing those signs with yourself and here's what i know that helps um also thinking about when i am in this part of the semester. So when it's midterm times, I know I start to engage in these things and recognizing these signs and here's what's not going to help me at mm-hmm. this, in this moment and here's what is going to help me. Um, if it's someone who is just straight up not having a good time, really struggling and doesn't know where to turn, the first thing I'm gonna say is, is to call our office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> call our office because we're gonna be able to help you kind of parse through some of those things mm-hmm. and connect you to what might be the best resource because it might not be counseling services. It might right. be you know, asking yourself, what are you, what are you going through? What are you struggling with? Um, sometimes that's the best first question to ask too because if it's academics, probably gonna need to talk to your professors <laughs> or go find a really excellent resource librarian or the um, spend some time in the academic resource center. Um, if you're struggling with your relationships, maybe it is you know needing to figure out how to have conversations with your friend group or coming to talk to us at counseling services. Um, if you've been through some trauma or you've had a loss, like maybe you need a combination of resources. Mm. Um, if you're struggling with needing some sort of accommodations for a disability, maybe it's going to talk to Megan Johnson and, and accessibility services. So um, there are just so many options that yeah. I think, and that was a very long-winded answer, but I think maybe the first question to ask yourself is, what is it that I'm struggling with and, and what needs aren't being met? And I think I think one of the things that people forget about is like, all of our emotions are normal and you are going to feel all of them, but we label them as good and bad because of the way that they make us feel, but it's normal and it's good to have all of these emotions. Mm -hmm. And so I think just remembering that in times where, you know, you may be experiencing a bad emotion, like you have it for a reason. So maybe instead of being like, Oh, why do I, or instead of being like, Oh, I feel so angry. Why do you feel angry? What's causing you that and figuring that out is really important. Yep. They all serve a function and a purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty. Well, do you have any final thoughts, any shout outs you want to give to to your peer mentors or uh, anything? Well, they know that I love them, of course. <laughs> Obviously, I just had my first meeting with them of the semester. Oh, nice. Uh, yesterday. Nice. I was 
a million miles a minute because I was so excited. And also, I've been name dropping like any and all colleagues <laughs> this whole podcast, so they know that I love them too. Um, I think just remembering at the end of the day that um, you are a human being and, and things are going to happen. It's inevitable. But if I have learned anything in my time on earth and here at DePaul is that there there's always somebody out there. Um, and the same spiel that I give at the end of first year orientation um, that I, I hope that everyone takes to heart and I think everyone should hear is just normalize checking in on your people because sometimes the person going through it is so exhausted and the energy it takes to just survive that is too much. So yes, reach out for help, know your resources, ask for help, talk to somebody if you need it, but also just normalize checking in with someone, not even if they're really struggling, but with they seem like they're fine, right? Mm-hmm. Celebrate the good things with them, normalize being there for each other and just and be kind to yourself and, and to other people as well. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, This has been episode one of season two of Eye of the Tigers. Stay tuned in.